Welcome to worship at MCC Lehigh Valley. Church and welcome to Metropolitan Community Church of the Lehigh Valley's Sunday worship service. How wonderful it is to be here together today in the sanctuary and for those of you that are online, what a wonderful, wonderful day to, to worship. If everyone could just please rise as able and join together in saying our purpose statement. NC's LV's purpose is to worship and serve God through acts of justice and compassion. Let's take a moment now to pass the peace, turn to your neighbor, offer a peace sign. If you're worshiping online, type in peace or any kind of happy emoji in there. How wonderful it is again to be worshiping together. Church, let's join together in our call of worship. Gracious God, we come together today to welcome you, you into our hearts. We open our minds to you to shape our thoughts so that our words proclaim your goodness and our actions reflect your love. Continue to guide us this day and every day as we seek to be faithful disciples of your righteous one. Jesus, amen. Please be seated as we continue to worship. Your love is devoted, the 
like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old. Your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today. Faithful you have been, and faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me, and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips you parent the makes us whole you shoulder our weakness and your strength becomes our own you're making me like you clothing me in light bringing beauty from ashes for you will have your bride free of all the guilt and rid of and known by your name and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise Ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. You will be praised, you will be praised. With angels and saints, we sing glory on you, Lord. You will be praised, you will be praised. Amen, indeed. God will be praised in the sanctuary today.
We've come to a time of prayer. For those who are worshiping online, you can type in your prayer request directly into the comments for those who have gathered in person in the sanctuary. In just a moment, I'm going to pause, and into that pause, you can speak any prayer needs, any situation, any circumstance, any beloved ones who are in need of positive prayer energy. We're going to lift up those needs to the Lord. So let's pause now and lift up our needs. Indeed, we praise you, Lord God, for you know our needs even before we speak them. Even if those needs have remained on our hearts, we thank you, Lord God, that you are pouring out your healing. You are pouring out your hope. You are present with all your people. We are so grateful. Lord God, we are confident and we are expecting you to bless us during this time of worship. Turn our hearts once again toward you, orient us or reorient us once again toward you, Lord God, and your love. We are open. We are ready to receive your Holy Spirit during this time. Thank you for this spirit which enlivens us and energizes us. Thank you, Lord God, for these people, this community that you have provided to us this day. Thank you for all your goodness, your grace, and your mercy, which are in abundance in this time. And let's all say, amen. Good morning, children. My name is Ray, and I bring you greetings from my home in Walnutport. Well, children, today we'd like to take a moment and pray a blessing over you. So church, if you join me. Loving God, we thank you for the gift of children everywhere. As we begin to approach the summer months, we pray your safety and protection on children 
as they begin to embark on their various adventures and activities. We pray that you keep them safe from harm. Remind them always that they are loved by you and may their summer be filled with happy and joyful memories. Amen. Greetings, my name is Kim Robinson and I bring you greetings from my home in Eastern Pennsylvania. I give to God through MCCLV because it is my responsibility as a Christian. If I consider myself a Christian, I consider myself having a great concern and love for those that are in my community. And when there is a need that arises, I feel as though I should step up to the plate. The church provides a lot of wonderful things for our community, and I count it a great honor to be able to give to support that. Um, I am able to give through God's goodness and His grace, so with that, I am so uh, honored to return it to those that are in need. You can give your offering online through MCCLV's website at www.mcclv.org. Click donate online or go to www.givebutter.com forward slash MCCLV. You may also write a check to MCCLV and mail it to the church at 1401 Greenview Drive in Bethlehem, 18018. For those who are present in person at the church, the ushers will share the offering basket shortly during worship. God has given us every good thing. Let's return to God a portion of all that God has so graciously given to us. Our reading today comes from chapter 1 from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Hear God's word for you. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God, our Heavenly Parent, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart, For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full of insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, for the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering and my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, 
that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Here ends today's reading. Praise God that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Before the message today, we do have an additional message uh, from a board member. So let's give a warm welcome to Lisa Engel with a good word for the church community here this morning. It's so cool how God brings things together, even just this morning. Um, the song that we sang about um, how the Lord's praise will ever be on my lips, it reminded me of a conversation I had with a friend a couple days ago. Um, where I said, you know, I said, I look around and I just am amazed at how good a God has been to me. And if I didn't have one more good thing happen to me for the rest of my life, I could never complain because I've been given so much. And um, then we read this scripture that has been special to me since I was a teenager, which was a little while ago. Um, and it talks about he, the Lord who began a good work with you will continue it to completion. And... I'm so, I think it's, I like, I'm bringing this to you this morning because we're all part of this community, and the Lord began a good work in MCCLV 34 years ago, and we still continue to have challenges and stuff like that, but we, we are so blessed with so many opportunities to love people. A few weeks ago, I was getting ready, to, getting ready for a meeting, and I was just writing out the, um, some of the things that MCCLV does in the community um, to talk about, you know, why, why do we do fundraising? Why do we do this? Because these are the things that we're doing in the community. And I had so many things to list, I came to the end of the paper. So I quit writing things out because I was like, well, this is a whole sheet of paper. I guess this kind of will get the idea across. But, um, you know, we're transferring from the winter season into the summer uh, during the winter. We do our uh, meals at the BES shelter, and then in the summer we switch over and we do lunches for the BES persons, for persons who are experiencing homelessness. And for the last several years, and we will continue, we're hoping to continue, we provide more than 500 meals a year for people who are experiencing homelessness. We have given nearly $20,000 in assistance to people who are, feeding, who are struggling with food insecurity, that, that's such a cool thing to be a part of that. Um, because we're, m our mind is so consumed with the problems of the world, it's kind of cool to be in a setting where we can be part of the solution. And God invites us to that. So I'm coming to you today because I'm um, wanting to ask you um, just to pray with me because I'm, like the pastor said, one of the fun things I get to do is be on the board. And we want to be transparent about everything. Uh, we, well, we are transparent about everything. All of our board minutes, all of our financial information, that's all made available publicly. It's on the, uh, you can go through it, uh, get to it from the website. If you don't know how to do that, the uh, uh, minister, of, um, minister of administration, Ray, could help you with that, or one of the board members can help you with that. But we want to bring, bring to you that um, the board is right now really, in a time of prayer where we're trying to make some decisions. Um, COVID um, is putting a pinch on a lot of us and we've had to tighten our belts and I bet you there's somebody in this crowd that has felt the same way, um, just like you know with your home finances and we're having to make some decisions. Um, we have been running in a deficit through um, pretty much, all, for most of the months through the, since the pandemic started, we've been running in a deficit. 
and we're, we knew that things were tight at the end of this year, and we knew after the beginning of the year we were going to need to sit down and like look at what we're making versus what we're spending, and we're at that point. So um, our largest bills are our payroll and the rent that we pay on this building. Um, we, and of course, we, we are trying to look at some of the other things that are smaller, but we've got to look at, um, we've got to make some decisions. And we're asking, I'm not panicking. I, I mean, this is not something to be anxious and all torn up about. I mean, we're alive and well. We've just got to figure out how to make it work with the money that we've got coming in. So um, it's, I don't think this is much different than what a lot of people go through in their normal life. It's not much different than what I go through. Um, but the Lord started a good work in us many, many years ago. I'm confident that we are going to continue on to completion what he has what the lord has for us to do in this community but i'm going to i am going to ask you to have we're going to pray together but i especially want to ask you to pray for us especially over the next few months the board will meet again in a couple we met this morning we're going to meet again in a couple weeks um, and we're just going to start sitting having those un, unfun conversations about money um, and we're you know, it, we, we thank you for your faithful giving. You know, obviously, if the Lord would like to just pour a whole bunch of money in our lap, we're not going to argue with that. But um, we also, the Lord has given us a lot, and we just need to be responsible with what the Lord has given us. So I'm just going to I'm just ask the pastor to let me have a time. I just wanted to ask the congregation to pray with us and just be in prayer with, for us over the next several months. We're going to have to make some decisions about tightening some things here and loosening some things here and just juggling, just, it's just life, it's just like the stuff that you go through, but um, just be in prayer with us, because it's the board's responsibility, um, and it's a big responsibility um, to make sure that we remain solvent, and that's a, it's a big thing, but it's also a blessing to have that privilege to serve in that way, so if you will pray with me, church. Dear God, you have, you own everything, we, we put our names on a lot of things and we think that they belong to us, but Lord, you own everything. And because we've committed our lives to you, you own everything that we seem to call our own. And God, um, as we pray for your wisdom and discernment as we make decisions, Lord, um, we pray that we will make the decisions that are smart so that we can continue on with all the things that we've got going on, but also... Um, that we'll just be wise and we'll be good stewards of what you've given us, Lord. Um, we, have, we have more than enough. We always have had more than enough, Lord, and right now what we're having is a cash flow problem. It's not a problem of health. It's not a problem of faithfulness, Lord. It's just a money problem. Um, Lord, we pray for all of the people in our congregation and our community that are struggling because of the impact of the, the economy. And it, it might be COVID, or it could just be a job loss, or it could be health, Lord. But Lord, I just pray that you will calm our spirits, and we will remember to pray for one another. And um, God, I pray that you will help us to think clearly and to walk confidently, knowing that you are going to meet our needs no matter what steps we're going to be taking uh, over the next few months, God. We thank you for your faithfulness, and God, we thank you for the good work that you've started in us, that you considered us worthy of your calling and to be a part of this community, God, and for all the things that are going to happen over the summer, for the ministries that we're going to be involved with. Lord, we thank you in advance for all the blessings you're going to bring because you are faithful. Lord, thank you for all that you've done, Lord, and your praise will ever be on our lips. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you. It is a privilege to serve the Lord. In your name we pray, amen.
Thank you so much, Lisa, for that important message from NCCLV's Board of Directors. We can never have too much prayer. Let's continue in prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable unto you. Keep pouring out that spirit upon us. Amen. Well, today's message is about righteousness. Now, too often we think being righteous is about being right and pointing out where others are wrong. What was that? That's about being self-righteous. That's self-righteousness. To be righteous on this next slide is simply being in right relationship with God. What does it mean to be righteous? To be in right relationship with God. To be righteous is about consulting God regularly, seeking God, reflecting on God, inquiring after God, thinking about God, talking about God, and listening for God. Now, I've shared this quotation before. It's been a while, though, but um, I think it's hilarious, so I, I do like to share this quotation. There's a saying that there are a lot of people who want to serve God, but only as advisors. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> um, so righteousness is about desiring God's advisement for our lives, desiring God's direction, desiring God's wisdom and guidance. Now, we are not righteous on our own. We are righteous only due to the work of God through Christ. So we don't earn righteousness, right? So we don't do good things, and then we earn a righteousness badge. Although when I was thinking about this the other day, how great if we all had vests and we had little badges on them, right? The righteousness, merciful badge, goodness badge. <laughs> Paul writes to the church in Rome, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ is for all who believe. Righteousness always begins with God. Again, righteousness always begins with God. It never originates in a person. It never originates in, in any good thing that someone does. And praise God for this, because this releases us from trying to compete for God's favor. It's about faith. It's not about earning worthiness. And we're all on a lifelong journey in developing that right relationship with God. Some days we remember to consult God, and some days we go our own way, and yet God always calls us back and warmly welcomes us to renew our relationship with the divine. A while back I had a conversation with a righteous person. And it was such an inspiration for me. Now, when I officiate a funeral at a funeral home, I typically arrive to the location quite early. I want to test the microphones, right, when people aren't around. And I want to get a sense of the space uh, prior to the service. And arriving early to a funeral home, it also gives me some time to talk with the funeral home staff. And a few years ago, I was talking to a funeral director as we waited for a service to start. And I love talking church with people if there's an interest. And this funeral director shared that she and her husband and their two kids, they attended a small church in the northwest part 
of the Lehigh Valley. And she mentioned that there were only a few children at the church, and when her kids attend Sunday school, their teacher shares lessons that sometimes include a video. And uh, they watch the video on the church's ancient VCR. And I asked the funeral director if she had ever checked out another church nearby that had dozens of kids in their Sunday school. And this is how she replied to me. She replied that she didn't want her kids to learn that you can just leave a church if it doesn't have fancy stuff and big numbers. What a righteous response. I had made this assumption, right? Oh, ancient VCR, you know, just a, a handful of kids. You know, here's a church nearby that has dozens and dozens of kids and cool new stuff. What a righteous response to my assumption. And what a wonderfully righteous orientation this staff member had. And, and her response was an inspiration to me. It was a correction to me, first and foremost, right? It was a correction to my assumption. It was a correction, and it was also an inspiration to me. It energized me. I sometimes forget that there are a number of people who have no desire for the latest bells and whistles in a faith community, but really want to focus on developing a relationship with God and really want their entire family to focus on developing that right relationship with God. Now, unfortunately, we can probably think of a few too many examples of unrighteous folks, right? I'm wondering if anyone remembers the Colvin brothers from the start of the pandemic. On this next slide is Matt Colvin, and he's in his garage. And uh, Matt and Noah Colvin, they traveled all over Tennessee and Kentucky. This was at the start of the pandemic, buying up hand sanitizer until they had purchased 17,700 bottles and, and wipes, packages of wipes. Now, the brothers, unrighteous action was not reselling the hand sanitizer online. Instead, their unrighteous action was reselling the hand sanitizer at a ridiculously high profit margin, some of it for as much as $70 a bottle. And the, the brothers probably wouldn't have been noticed, they probably wouldn't have been roundly criticized if they had just aimed for a small profit. Right? Instead, what did they do? They took advantage of a situation. They decided to price gouge. And after the Tennessee Attorney General's office started an investigation, the brothers made a decision to donate the rest of the hand sanitizers. Now, the brothers, they were old enough to know better. Matt's in his 30s, and yet they chased after money instead of choosing to do the right thing. Now, of course, they are forgiven, as we are all forgiven for our missteps. We are forgiven when we chase after fortune or fame or whatever rather than doing the right thing. We are forgiven when we put ourselves at the center rather than placing God at the center. What matters most is that we just continually attempt to seek that right relationship with God. We all become unaligned with God from time to time, and, and hopefully we don't end up on the national news, but what matters is that we get back on the path and we seek to restart. That, that right relationship with God. Now, Jesus gives an example of a righteous person and an unrighteous person, and this is in chapter 18 of Luke's gospel. And 
Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, when we look at the teachings of Jesus, the unrighteous person happens to be a religious leader. <laughs> Remember that Jesus is hardest on the religious leaders. Jesus is hardest throughout the Gospels. Jesus is hardest on those who are in religious leadership, has the highest expectations for them. And so Jesus uh, talks about uh, talks about this in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, and it starts off this way. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Now, whenever Jesus starts a story this way, we know that there's a reversal coming soon. Jesus is going to point out something so important. So again, this is how Jesus starts it. Jesus also told this parable parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. So the, the parable, the story that Jesus shares about the two men, Jesus says this, the two men went up to the temple to pray, one a religious leader and the other a tax collector. And it's on our next slide, just a, a painting, a rendition of this. So the religious leader, ah, oh, in the light, right, ah, oh, and then the tax collector, you know, hand to his face. Okay. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a religious leader, one a tax collector. And the religious leader, standing by himself, prayed like this. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Terrible prayer, right? Just so unrighteous. Oops, religious leader starts off with that comparison. Not only does he compare himself to others, this religious leader assumes that he is better. Now, thankfully, Jesus corrects this religious leader's puffed up persona. Jesus continues the story by saying, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the story ends with Jesus saying, I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, the religious leader is telling God how great he is and how much better he is than others, while this tax collector is primarily concerned about his relationship with God. The religious leader is focusing on himself while the tax collector is focused on God. Now, tax collecting, it does need to be said, was an incredibly unrighteous profession in ancient times. Tax collectors were well known for cheating. Uh, they would overcharge people. And tax collectors were also in collusion, were seen as being in collusion with the hated Roman Empire. However, this man who is in an unrighteous profession is seeking righteousness. The tax collector craves forgiveness. He craves the grace and mercy of God, while the religious leader doesn't believe that he's in need of these things. And where the religious leader is so off track is in his belief that God favors him over others. And the religious leader is just as much in need of God's forgiveness, grace, and mercy as the tax collector. Now, the tax collector may have sinned a little bit more spectacularly than the religious leader, but they're both sinners. We're all sinners. Congratulations. We're all sinners, right? That's why we come together, woo-hoo, as a faith community on a weekly basis to accept God's forgiveness, get a fresh start, and another fresh start, and another fresh start. I need a second chance from God. I need a 
600th chance from God. I need a 50,000th second chance, another chance, another chance, another chance from God. I crave worship every seven days because it's an opportunity for me to reconnect with God and to hear from God and to get right with God. And then I crave worship again to reconnect and hear from God and get right with God. I cannot ever imagine not being in need of worship and time with God in this community of believers. Now, what has annoyed so many self-righteous religious leaders over the centuries is this, the idea that all people are equally valued before God. Can we all say, ooh, ooh, that's really annoyed far too many religious leaders over the years. And for me, this is why it's absolutely critical that Christians work toward equality on earth as it is in heaven. Any income inequality, any gender inequality, any racial inequality, any kind of inequality is offensive to God. No person, no church is ever favored by God, is ever considered better by God, or considered more deserving of God's blessing than any other. So that tax collector comes before God with the appropriate and right orientation, right? Asking for mercy. The most important orientation in our lives is our orientation to God. Now, sexual orientation is important. And whether we are gay or lesbian or bisexual or heterosexual or however we name and live out our sexuality, it's important. God created us. God created our sexual orientation. It's a beautiful and meaningful aspect of our lives, but it's not the most important orientation. On this next slide, our primary orientation is to God, right? Our primary orientation is to God. God continually pulls us toward God, and we fall away, and God continually pulls us toward God, and we wander away, and that's life. We turn from and return to God again and again and again. I love what Jesus tells his followers, seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things. What are they? all these things? The material things of life, like food, shelter, clothing. It's strange because what Jesus is asking us to do is stop thinking like everyone else and to start thinking differently. The vast majority of our thinking time is taken up with material stuff, not just things, but schedules and events. And what Jesus is saying is, whoa, stop, hold up. Jesus is staying, saying, stop making the material a priority and start making the spiritual more of a priority. And when the spiritual is made more of a priority, when it's put more at the center, when we seek God first and foremost, all those other things fall into place. It doesn't mean that life will have no difficulties, but that we've grown to recognize that God is with us in the most challenging times as well as in the easier times. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, knows quite intimately what it is like to endure challenging times, right? He's writing this letter to the Philippians from prison. 
Paul was imprisoned several times in several different places. He was in prison for two years in Caesarea. Then he was in prison for two years in Rome. He was also in prison in Ephesus and in additional locations. Now, Paul was put in prison for preaching a different spirituality, one in which God is worshipped, not the Roman Empire and not any religious hierarchy. Now, despite his incarcerations, Paul does not lose his focus on Christ. He doesn't lose his focus on planting churches around the Mediterranean. And Paul is a good role model for us in not letting our circumstances dictate our spiritual well-being. Instead, to let our spiritual well-being be grounded in the steadfast and enduring love of God. Our circumstances will change. Our situations will change. God's care for us never changes. Amen. So Paul writes in chapter 4. This is a little later than the the passage we had today. Paul writes in in chapter 4 of his letter to the Philippians, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to have plenty in any and all circumstances. I have learned the secret of being well-fed and going hungry, of having plenty and being in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, Paul is definitely someone who is seeking to be in that right relationship with God. He understands that the physical, material needs will be met. And he is content with whatever level uh, at which those needs may be met. Now, this does seem to be quite a stretch sometimes. I would like to think that I would maintain a commitment to Christ no matter my circumstances. But when I think of some pretty extreme circumstances, it would be difficult. It would be difficult to maintain that commitment to Christ. It would be difficult to view Christ as our strength if our apartment building were to be bombed, right? Like nearly 2,000 homes and apartment buildings have been bombed in Kharkiv, Ukraine. It would be difficult to view Christ as our strength if we were thrown into prison for just talking about Christ, like some detainees in detention camps in the Xinjiang province of China. It would be difficult to view Christ as our strength if our city's water was contaminated with lead to save a few bucks in the budget, right? Like in Flint, Michigan. And yet, sometimes it's only Christ who gets us through these difficult situations because we cannot rely on our personal strength, but we have to give ourselves over to God. And so we manage a family member's diagnosis because we are strengthened spiritually. We manage an economic downturn because we have learned to rely most of all on God. We manage a relationship breakup because we know that we're never alone. Jesus is our constant companion and the church community is present and helps us along the way. We eventually learn that indeed we can do all things through Christ. We can do all the things that God is calling us to do. Not the things that we want to do. Not the things that society thinks that we should do. But all the things... Uh, that God is calling us to do. Not even all the things that the church wants us to do. Instead, we can do all the things that God is calling us to do. Now, sometimes that verse from Philippians has been twisted to get people to think that if they just have enough faith in Christ, then they'll get their to-do list completed. But faith is not about a to-do list. Remember, faith is more about a willingness to let go than to get things done. Faith is more about a willingness to let go than to get things done. 
Now, I'm going to conclude today by circling back and again focusing on righteousness. And then we're going to spend some time in prayer. So Paul writes to the church in Philippi on this last slide. Let's see here. And this is my prayer. This is Paul to the Philippians. That your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness. Oh, that's why there's a tractor on the front of the bulletin today. Harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. That's Paul to the Philippians. And I, this is so great uh, from Paul. Paul connects love to knowledge and insight. We too often, we connect love with what? Emotion, right? We believe that love is about feeling good. But remember what Jesus calls us to do, to love our enemies and to love people who have different political affiliations and to love even when it doesn't feel particularly good to love, even when it's not mutual. Paul points out that when we love in this full way, this mature way, when we love beyond emotion, we receive knowledge and insight. We grow in wisdom, and we're able to determine what is best and how God is calling us in this season. And we love because we've experienced the never-ending love and always energizing love of God. If we have difficulty making decisions, if we have difficulty knowing what to do, we can always generate more love. Right? Again, if, we, if we're in a difficult place, don't know what decision to make, don't know what to do, we can generate more love. And we can love more people. And as our love expands beyond our small circles, our knowledge grows, our insight grows, our understanding grows, so that in the day of Christ, we may be pure and blameless. Now, folks at MCCLV, they know that I'm not a big fan of purity, okay? I'm not a big fan of purity, what but what Paul is getting at here is that when we give an account in the day of Christ, when we stand before God, when we get real with God, we are pure and blameless in the sense that we have come to understand that no one else is responsible and no one else is to blame for that relationship with God. We are accountable to God for what we have done and what we have left undone, the good and the bad. Praise God, we're all saved and made new day by day and eternally in heaven. Salvation is not a secret club. It's inclusive. It's universal. It is for all people. Thank God that we are not saved by what we do or what we do not do. Instead, we are saved completely and absolutely by the grace of God here on earth and eternally in heaven. God holds God's arms wide open, and we enter into that warm and gracious embrace on earth and in heaven. And on that day of Christ, as we come before God, having produced that harvest of righteousness, well, we can't take credit for it because that harvest of righteousness that we have produced comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and the praise of God. When we're seeking that right relationship with God, Christ is continually working through, it, through us. We're sharing the good things of God and that harvest of righteousness is produced. Now there are a lot of agricultural images in the Bible. We can think for a moment literally of a tractor, right? That's the image on the front of our bulletin. That tractor 
plowing through a field, right? Overflowing. That field is overflowing with an abundant yield. And when we apply it spiritually, we can think of God's love overflowing through us. We can think of God's amazing grace working through us. We can think of God's plentiful mercy being poured out through us to touch others. We live in a world that is so in need of God's love and grace and mercy. We live in a world that is desperate for it. And God expects us to continually be open so that God may spill through us to reach others. So a harvest of righteousness is about all of these right and good things flowing through us. And it's a bit intimidating to think of God's powerful presence moving through us. But what, a, what an honor to serve God in this way. And so, uh, church, let's be in prayer. Uh, first and foremost, about this orientation. Right, Lord God? Our primary orientation is to be to you. Direct our steps, Lord God. Guide our lives. You see us. You know us. And you know that we desire to be in right relationship with you. We desire to consult you more, to seek you more to deepen our connection to you and to our brothers, sisters, and siblings in Christ. Lord God, we know that we don't do this righteousness thing on our own. We don't work it up. Instead, we have faith. We have faith in you. We trust in you and what you've done and the work that you have done through Christ Lord God, we love you. We are so grateful for you. Continue to lead us and guide us in every way, each and every day, we pray. Amen. i 
God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Praise God for this inclusive table of love and praise God for the gift of Jesus Christ. On the night on which Jesus was given over to suffering and death through the betrayal of a friend, on this night, Jesus took bread and after he had blessed it and given thanks for it, Jesus broke it. And gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Then Jesus took the cup and after he had blessed it and given thanks for it, he said, Drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of your sins and the sins of the whole world. Let us take a moment of silent confession to confess to God all we may have done or left undone in seeking a right relationship with God. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O God, for the gift of bread. In laying this gift before you, we remember our calling to be compassionate servants of your chosen one, Jesus. We remember how he healed the sick, fed the hungry, and loved the loveless. 
We give you thanks, O God, for the gift of this cup and the forgiveness of our sin. Bless this cup as we drink it. By the power of resurrection, bring each of us to a new life of servanthood that we might sing your praise and give you the glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our faith is a mixture of past, present, and future. We remember what God did for us in Christ. We experience now the spirit of the living Christ, and we look forward to God's continuing promise to us of growth and new life. And so we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Know that communion in metropolitan community churches is an open communion. You need not to be a member of a church or any church to take part in this meal. All are truly welcome at God's table.
Almighty and eternal God, we thank you that your love is broad enough to embrace the whole world, yet personal enough to reach out to each one of us. Within the circle of that love we have gathered around this table of fellowship, we pray that we, we may express our thankfulness as we share your love and compassion with others. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please rise now as able and join us in the commission and blessing. As we depart this time of worship, may our love overflow all over the world. We are ready to produce a harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of you, O God. Amen.
Let us go now in peace and love to serve the Lord. Vaya con Dios. Walk with God. Amen.